Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Rebecca Bird lives in Saltillo, Mississippi, with her husband, Justin, and their four children. She is a stay-at-home mother who homeschools their girls and cares for their special needs son, Joshua. During her pregnancy with Joshua, it was discovered he had a very rare occipital encephalocele. She was seen by Laboner's maternal fetal medicine specialist. Joshua was born in December of 2013 and taken immediately to Laboner's NICU. He underwent his first of many surgeries at three days old. Nine years later, they are still receiving care from multiple Laboner specialists. We are honored to have Rebecca on the podcast with us today. Um, I have known uh, Rebecca and her husband, Justin, uh, and their family um, since almost day one, um, right when Joshua was brought over to Laboner um, into the NICU, we were hosting our Christmas dinner. And I vividly remember meeting Justin and um, I believe it was his parents, right? They were with him. It was your mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So your mom and Justin and, and hearing them say, you know, what was going on um, and just the fears and concerns and um, all that went with it. So um, we're just glad to have you on. Thank you for sharing your heart and your journey with us. Um, So um, just welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Okay, so let's let's just start because, you know, we've talked to lots of families through the year or through the podcast or whatever that, um, you know, some have found out during pregnancy that something's going on. Some have not found out until delivery. Some things have happened later on. So with y'all, you found out during pregnancy that there were concerns. So so tell me about that. Kind of when did you find out and kind of lead me through that? Because you'd had three normal pregnancies, all girls. So tell me about this. So with Joshua, we had decided to wait on finding out his gender. Um, We wanted to wait till the baby was born. And we went at my 20-week appointment for an ultrasound and went in expecting just to hear baby's good, you know, wait on the gender till birth. And during the ultrasound, I knew something wasn't right. Um, she took a whole lot longer. She kind of asked some questions, and I was like, something's wrong. Yeah. And so we waited to see the doctor, and then the doctor came in, and he said, there's something terribly wrong with your baby. Wow. And so um, that day, they couldn't find his um, cerebellum. They couldn't find his occipital lobe. They could only find one kidney and some other things that were just not good, and he had a large cyst on the back of his neck. Mm. And so they sent me to a maternal fetal medicine specialist in our town in Tupelo. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to see him the very next day. Okay. And he diagnosed Joshua with occipital encephalocele and some other brain malformations. And so Tupelo was not equipped to care for Joshua. So he sent us to the Laboner Maternal Fetal Medicine Clinic and followed up with them. They diagnosed him the same thing. um, And that's where our journey started. I went there all the time for ultrasounds, fetal MRI, all those things. Mm -hmm. And we just started there. And you 
briefly mentioned also just one kidney. Yes. So that did end up being true he as had, well. No, he has both kidneys. Okay. They just couldn't find it on ultrasound. Okay. Okay. So really, it was the main concern was his brain. What yes. was going on with his that area, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So all the rest was okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is right around the 20 week. Mm-hmm. So kind of lead me through that. So kind of each week, pretty much, you're going, checking in. Like what at that point, and as you move on, what are they kind of saying as far as, you know, making it to term? What mm-hmm. will that be like? Were there concerns that he may not even make it to term? Yes. Okay. They had told me we probably wouldn't make it full term. Okay. Um, there wasn't much hope. They said he probably wouldn't make it to birth. He'd probably wow. die in utero. Okay. And um, if he did, he would die shortly after. And so each time we went, it seemed like the news kept getting worse and worse. Really? They would find more things wrong with him. Um, and then with the fetal MRI, we got a little bit of hope. We thought, okay, from based on how Joshua was laying in utero, it looked like there wasn't any brain tissue outside of his skull. Okay. So that was great news. Yeah. But, but the ultrasound, you could see there was brain tissue outside. Okay. So we were having a little bit of hope, but not so much hope. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, I went multiple times to the Laboner clinic there and just followed with them and was preparing for the worst. We yeah. didn't prepare to bring a baby home. Wow. Like at all? Not at all. Wow. And at that point, how old are your girls? Bella was nine, Shiloh was five, and Hannah was 20 months. Wow. Okay. Um, and so how are you even, like, what kind of conversations are you having with your older two, especially the nine-year-old, mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of what's going on? That was very hard because we wanted to be real and transparent with them, but we also wanted to guard their hearts as mm-hmm. much as we could. Mm-hmm. So we told them that Joshua was really sick and that something was wrong with his brain and that his brain wasn't formed correctly and that he may not make it to birth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. So, yeah. But we let the girls go um, to uh, build a bear, and okay. they built him a special bear. Mm. And um, we still have that bear. You do. Okay. That that you wanted him to have when he was born. Okay. We bought that in a blanket, and that was all we had. Wow. And honestly, we intended that to be in his casket. Wow. So, so then was there moments where the doctors are saying, did you go into labor? Was it, it's time? Like it's, he can't, he has no more room. Kind of explain that part to me. He had quit growing in utero. Okay. And so my doctor in Tupelo is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, he was watching very closely. And one day I went in for a scheduled appointment and he checked and he said, we really need to call Memphis. Okay. And so he called Memphis. And And what week are you? That was at 38, almost wow. 38. So yeah. you went. I did. I, I mean, went. that is full term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so just a little miracle itself right there. Yes. Okay. So 38 weeks. Yeah. This is right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right okay. before Christmas. Yeah. Um, I actually went to see the Memphis doctors on Bella's ninth birthday. Wow. Perfect okay. Thursday, December 17th. Okay. So we went and they agreed we need to get the baby out. He has a better chance of surviving outside. Okay. And I had to do a C-section here in Memphis. On what day are we now at? This was December 17th. Okay. And so I came back on December the 19th. Okay. 
and okay. had a C-section. Okay. And that was at Region 1? Yes. Okay. So at that point, they say, we want you to be at Region 1 because you're literally right across the street. Mm-hmm. And and did you know then, like, I'll deliver, they'll immediately be there to take him? Yes. Okay. Okay. That so that plan. was the plan. Okay. So you deliver families there. Mm-hmm. Do you even get to see Joshua? I did for just the second. Okay. Um, then they rolled him out. Okay. Um, he was not supposed to be born until December 31st. We okay. had scheduled that C-section that day. And okay. then so he was born early. So our neurosurgeon was out of town. Oh, wow. Um, and so the plan was just to keep him stable and hope that he would be okay until okay. our doctor got back. And you, was that also during this, in essence, 18 weeks, you had also obviously met with neurosurgery, Yes, met with the NICU. You kind of knew if he survives birth, mm-hmm. we have a plan. This is yes. what we're going to do. Okay. Okay. So, so Labonner comes and gets him, mm-hmm. takes him back to Labonner. You, I think somewhere in there is where I met Justin, because mm-hmm. I met when you were still at Region 1. Yes. You were not at Le Bonner. Um, So you stay a couple days at Region mm-hmm. 1, or just getting updates of yes. how he's doing. So they're just trying to keep him stable, mm-hmm. but then he does end up needing surgery. Yes. Okay, so tell so, me about that. So he was born with a large sac. The encephalocele was very large. It was the largest one that they had ever seen. Wow. Um, they were very, very careful to try to not let it rupture. If it started leaking, then we'd have to do surgery immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born on the 19th, and three days later, he had his first brain surgery. Okay. Dr. Boot was back in town. He came in. Joshua had multiple tests, MRIs. They were ready to do the surgery. Okay. So. And what did that entail, kind of that first one what was what was what needed to do was he leaking was it was there he was not leaking thankfully okay um but he had started just going down he was not doing well okay um and the plan was to go in and reduce that encephalocele sac okay and try to remove the brain tissue that was outside the skull okay okay once they got into surgery they realized we can't remove the brain tissue because the main blood vessel to the brain was running in between that brain tissue wow Okay. And so there was really at that point, so then what did they do? Just So they closed the sack up, they drained it, um, closed it back up. Okay. And that was really it. They said, we've got to come up with a plan now. Okay. But let's see if he can even survive. Because at that point, he was on the ventilator completely. He wasn't breathing any on his own. Okay. And that was where things got really scary. Yeah. So drain the sack because there was a lot of fluid that made the sack even bigger. Okay. So drained it to where really then the sack just contained really parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. Correct? Okay. But still, I remember just of conversations, too, of how unbelievably careful because, in essence— a, a big part of his brain was outside yeah. of his skull mm-hmm. and so had to be really careful for it not to be knocked or hit yes. or anything like that. Yes. So so have the surgery December 22nd and then just again a wait and see while they tried to figure out kind of next mm-hmm. steps. Yeah. Okay. And he didn't do well after surgery. He started swelling, was not breathing any on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, things were not looking good. And here we are right at Christmas. Yeah. And so I just remember them telling us, get through the holidays with your girls, but be thinking about taking him off the ventilator and making plans for his funeral. Wow. And so that was really hard, mm-hmm. trying to be happy for our girls because it's Christmas. Yeah. 
but grieving. Yeah, yeah, desperately. Yeah. So, um, and you're obviously recovering from a major C-section. I mean, this, for you, you know, was not because of the concern of him we've talked about. Like, Mm -hmm. it had to be, they had to be really cautious about even getting him out of you Mm -hmm. that they didn't rupture anything themselves. So Mm -hmm. you're also recovering. Was this your first C-section? Yes, it was. Okay, so you're recovering from that. He's at La Bonner, and your daughters are all in Tupelo. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do y'all go home and and celebrate Christmas and just kind of— Like, tell me about that part. So we didn't let the girls meet Joshua until the day before surgery. Okay. Um, We kind of prepared them for what he was going to look like. He was also born with Golden Horror Syndrome, which is where one of his ears did not form, and there's some other issues with that. Okay. We weren't prepared for that. Yeah. And so to us, that was no big deal. But we told the girls, your brother has a puppy dog ear, because that's what it looked like. Yeah, okay. And so also he had a huge sack, you know, on the back of his head. Yeah. So um, they came the day before surgery and got to meet Joshua, and then they went home. Okay. And then after surgery. And how did they do seeing him? They did really great. Yeah. I mean, I was just so impressed. They did ask about his ear. Yeah. You know, they thought that was, they thought it was cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's really me. I mean, kids, you got to just, the way they react to things are just Mm -hmm. beautiful. It is. Yeah. Okay. So they kind of more were just like, look at that versus, well, he's got a big sack on Mm -hmm. the back of his head. Like, Look at his little puppy dog here. Okay. So meet him, Mm -hmm. go home. They went home, and then they came back after surgery. We had uh, my grandmother and my mom brought them back. Okay. And uh, they got to spend some time with him. Justin and I had the FedEx house from day one. Okay. And so we... One of us, Justin, usually would take the girls to the FedEx house, let them have a break over there. Mm-hmm. Child life specialists were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, they would, you know, find the girls things to do. They went to the sibling playroom, yeah. the room of magic. They would color. Yeah. So to them, that was the best time. Yeah. Like they had so much fun. Yeah. Because they didn't realize the severity of what was going on. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so— really the girls are kind of going back and forth, being with y'all some, going back to Duplo, because obviously they're also out of school. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so um, so tell me about, you know, you kind of said they they got in there, couldn't do as much as they had hoped to do, and so they start making a plan. How long till y'all were kind of told this is the plan? So not long after surgery, he still wasn't making progress. He was getting worse. Okay. And one of the doctors came in and said, you need to decide now what to do. Okay. And um, one of the neonatologists said, no, let's give Joshua a little bit time. She said, I believe I see him trying to breathe over the vent just a little bit. Yeah. Because they were ready just to mm-hmm. take him off the vent. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did. She gave him some time. And they came in and took him off the ventilator sooner than we had thought. Yeah. But he did great. Wow. He ended up breathing over his own. You know, he ended up on oxygen, but um, didn't need the vent. Did not need the ventilator. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is amazing. And that was still right around Christmas, after Christmas? This was a couple of days after Christmas. Okay. Okay. So now he's breathing on his own, needing some oxygen mm-hmm. support. Um, and are y'all still just having conversations of next steps? Kind of what's that look like? Yes. They really didn't know what to tell us for to be next. Okay. Um, so we were discharged. We were there almost a month. Okay. We went home with a follow-up appointment with Dr. Boop. Okay. And just not knowing really what was going to be next. So so tell me, tell me about that. So because my recollection is 
you had to get a special seat that he could even travel that Mm -hmm. because he could not be in a a quote unquote normal car seat um my recollection is it was like a bed he mm-hmm. laid down in that was buckled into the back seat. Yes, he okay. had a special car seat. That we you had this. ordered, or how did you even? Labonner got it for us. Okay, so Labonner knew. Mm-hmm. Okay, so got him this special car seat. Mm-hmm. Did he even have to do the car seat challenge like most? No, they okay. did check his oxygen okay. when he was in it. So okay. yes, they did. Did he um, go home on oxygen? He did not. He did not. Wow. He did not even okay. have to go home on oxygen, okay. which was amazing. So so at one month. He was ready to go home, no oxygen support, Mm -hmm. get this special car seat, and you're told, take this baby home. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we have the special car seat. He had to have this special little head thing in the car seat to protect his sack. We had to be super careful with that. Yeah. Um, Did he wear that all the time, the head thing? Just when he was laying Anytime he was laying, we had to have that under his head. Under his head. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because of the sack, you could not put—because I've seen before, obviously, Mm -hmm. children with helmets. But because of the sack, he could not even Mm -hmm. have a helmet type thing. Okay. Okay. So when he was laying, was it almost like a a donut in a way? Yeah. So he had a donut, and he also had like a gel pillow. Okay. It was extremely soft. Okay. Okay. So not to like— Almost like what people would land if they have sore, you know, to try yes. to not get sores. And, yeah. Okay. So he's in that whenever he lays down. Mm-hmm. So are you realizing we have nothing at home? Yes. Okay. So before we left, um, well, we left the hospital with the bottles that they give you. Uh-huh. I was pumping uh-huh. and giving him breast milk. And he was taking it and all he, fine? He was, yes and no. He okay. was vomiting from day one. Okay. So we weren't really sure what was going on with that. That ended up being a big issue. Okay. But, um... Yeah, so he had those bottles. We left with, I think, one of my friends had went and bought an outfit for Joshua. Okay. And then people brought stuff to the NICU that they had bought for him. He yeah. left in one of those outfits. Okay. We got home, and Justin had to run to Walmart and buy a pack-and-play. And, like, all we didn't even have a baby bed. I mean, we wow. had nothing but that blanket and a bear. Yeah. That was all Because your we daughter had. was still in, like— a crib. She was yes. like 20 months old. Yes. Okay. So your daughter's still like in the crib, the nursery, everything else. Y'all had mm-hmm. not done something new. So he goes and gets things for y'all to bring him home. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then tell me what it's like at home. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, it was very special, but it was overwhelming because we were so terrified of rupturing that sack. Yeah. So we had to be really careful. And it was also flu and RSV season. Mm. So that was scary, yeah. you know, bringing him home into that. But our girls did amazing. You know, they loved on Joshua. Mm-hmm. They were so careful taking care of him. Um, we followed up with Dr. Boop after that. And still at that point, we're kind of like, let's let's get a plan, but we don't know a plan. Yeah. And his sack started growing. We noticed that it was filling up. Even before we left the NICU, it had gotten a little bit bigger. Okay. And so we left the NICU in January. By March, his sack was very large. Okay. And So it was re-filling up with fluid. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we go see Dr. Boop, and he says we're going to have to do surgery. Wanted him to get a little bit bigger because he was struggling with gaining weight. Mm -hmm. He would throw up all the time. And so we were trying to put it off until he could get a little bit more weight on him. Um, and then April, we were like, we can't wait any longer. You could see the the sack just getting thin. Because mm, it so, was putting so much pressure mm-hmm. on it. Okay. Okay. And that is where we ended up in the hospital again back okay. in April. So, and when you say is the what's surrounding the sack, is it skin? 
Yes. Okay. So it's skin, and then you just see as it gets larger, almost like a balloon, Mm -hmm. it becomes more transparent in a way. Okay. And so even with your own eyes, without measuring or anything else, Mm -hmm. you can kind of just tell by even the coloring of it. Yes. Okay. So you you check back into the hospital. You get admitted back to the hospital Mm -hmm. in April with the intentions that there's going to be a surgery. Yes. Okay. So tell me about that. The plan was to do what they called an encephalocele repair surgery. Okay. So they went back in, drained the fluid, and made the, the sac smaller again. And Dr. Boop had told us up front, you may need a shunt, but we're not going to do it immediately. Let's just kind of see, okay. you know, if we even need that. Joshua did okay at first, and then we started having complications. Mm. Um, he got really sick afterwards again, started having swelling, um, got meningitis. Mm. And so that was really scary. Yeah, We knew he had hydrocephalus. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that he had to have a shunt, but with the infection, they couldn't do a shunt. Yeah. So they had to do um, where it's a shunt outside the head, yeah. where it drained from the outside until the infection cleared up. Okay. Okay. So those those times were really scary as well. Yeah. He was running fever, started having heart problems. Just all these things were hit all at one time. We went from being like, oh, everything's good, to yeah. now we're back in the hospital and things were not looking good. Okay. So this is April. And so now, and he couldn't go back to the NICU, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. So okay. we were on neuro floor. Okay. Okay, so on the neuro floor and really just monitoring, is he back on the vent? He wasn't. Okay. He had trouble coming off the ventilator after surgery, but after a little bit of time, he did fine. Okay. He was in the um, neuro ICU. Okay. So we were in ICU being monitored, um, got through the infection, went back and did the shunt. Okay. So the shunt took care of the... Internal. Mm-hmm. So then made the shunt internal. Okay. Yes. So clears up the infection, do an internal shunt, mm-hmm. um, and and right away, can you then tell pretty quickly it's it's doing the shunt's doing what yes. it's supposed to do. So the the sac is not filling back up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how did the doctors feel after that surgery? As far as the success of what they hoped it would do. They were pretty good. Um, at that point, they knew that something was going to have to be done to protect that brain tissue. Yeah. And so they made a plan then at about a year old okay. or a year and a half, they were going to do a skull enlargement surgery where they would split the skull in half, take bone from the inner part of the skull and kind of make a covering for the back of the skull. And wow. so that was the plan. Wow. How much, I mean, was this one of the first times they've seen this at Labonner? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But but other places have. Dr. Boop said it was extremely rare. Okay. That okay. if you were a bass fisherman, this would be your 10-pound bass fish. Wow. Okay. So so has been done, just not... So I mean, I'm sure I know enough about Boop and those doctors mm-hmm. to know they were reaching out, finding out, you know, yeah. the the you know, best ways to do it and what's worked and what hasn't. Um, So after you do the internal shunt, he gets clear of the infection. You go home again. So we were there for a while, but we did get home. We were home for two days and ended up back in the hospital. Okay. He was vomiting so much, um, dehydrated, just... Mm -hmm. He was not doing well. Okay. He was a failure to thrive. Okay. So he ended up in the hospital again, and he also had a shunt revision. Right so his away. shunt had malfunctioned, like, immediately. Wow. 
And so um, underwent surgery again okay. and got a shunt revision. And then we started having to talk about a G-tube. Yeah. Okay. Because he just could not keep it down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then do y'all proceed with that? We do. It took a little time. We tried different things. Um, and then we agreed to do a G-tube. Okay. And so he had surgery for the G-tube placement. And this is all during this, in essence now, your third kind of major hospital mm-hmm. stay. Yes. Um, so shunt revision, G-tube, mm-hmm. okay. And then from there, just making sure he's okay. Y'all learning how to do the mm-hmm. G-tube training, all yes. that stuff. Okay. And trying to find a formula that he could take because yeah. everything we were trying, he was still throwing up. Even with the G-tube. Even with the G-tube. Goodness. Okay. And couldn't figure out why. Mm-mm. Wow. And we still, at nine years old, are having vomiting. Really? Has he had a Nissen, too? He did. And so the day after surgery, we went, I think, 24 hours without, you know, formula. The first feeding, he threw up. And they were like, he shouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for those listening, Nissen, in essence, um, how would you explain that? It, like, ties off. The esophagus. Like, part of the stomach is tied around the esophagus. Yeah. So for those babies, children that do perpetually throw up, it's supposed to, in essence— Stop that. Mm-hmm. As I've heard from others, it's almost then worse yeah. because their body is kind of being like, you're not supposed to throw mm-hmm. up, but they still have the urgency. So it's almost it's worse. Horrible. It's horrible yes. as a parent and a child to see mm-hmm. and do. So that did not work. Yeah. Okay. And so even now, he's still, that's a big issue. He still has. a big issue. Okay. Okay. So we got the G tube. Um, finally, got a formula that he was tolerating well enough to go home. Mm-hmm. We were in the hospital from April. I just pretty much say April to June. Okay. Uh, we did go home, you know, and then ended up back. But okay. from April to June, left and uh, finally got the formula that was working for him and doing okay. Still throwing up mm. later, and so we ended up having to do a GJ tube, which okay. is where it bypasses the stomach and goes into the small intestines. Yeah. Okay. So that first year, I felt like we were at Lebanon more than we were at home. Yeah, yeah. And does he desire food? Like, does he want it? You know what I mean? Like, is it even a? Were they like? Don't even offer it anymore because he just can't do it. Yes. At okay. that point, they had said, don't give him anything. Okay. Okay. Um, because he was throwing up so much. They were worried about aspiration and yeah. just all those other things. Okay. But so n- y'all just became on your, we feed him through the GJ tube so yes. many times a day. Okay. With the GJ, he was continuous for 22 hours a day. Really? So that really puts a kink even of being able to do anything because yes. he's he's hooked up to it all the time. Yes. And was that a, like, this is for a long time? We we kind of thought it would be, okay. and it was, except with Joshua, for some reason, his G-tubes fall out all the time. We don't know if it's too much acid in the stomach. Okay. We really, and doctors really haven't been able to say. Okay. And with those, they have to be surgically placed. They mm-hmm. go into interventional radiology for those. Okay. So every time it would come out, it was a sedation and a surgery. Wow. And with Joshua, any time, he goes under anesthesia, it's a big risk. Yeah. And so we did have the GJ for over a year. And then we decided we can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And we just went back to a regular G2, which just goes into the stomach. Okay. And that doesn't, if it falls out, it does not have to be surgical. It doesn't. Okay. Like you can just put it back mm-hmm. in yourself? Yes. We just put it back in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew you'd end up being a nurse? Yes. <laughs> yes. You'd be in the medical <laughs> field. Okay. So now June, we're like, 
Six months, you said, go home again, GJ2, keeps coming out, keeps coming out. You get to about a year and say, forget that, roll back to the G-tube. Um, and through this, are y'all, because he hadn't had the skull surgery yet. So you know that's coming. You know that's a big deal. So when did that end up happening? So the plan was to they decided not to do the skull enlargement because it is so risky. Okay. We knew going into that just even talking about it, that it would be a huge risk that he may not even make it through that surgery. Mm -hmm. So as we talked through things and saw how well Joshua was doing, he was doing remarkably well. Every time we would see Dr. Boop or any of our specialists, they were absolutely amazed mm -hmm. at the things he was doing. And so we decided it wasn't worth the risk of okay. doing that. Okay. So the plan was to put a titanium mesh around that brain tissue. Okay. That happened in February of 2016. Okay. We so at in. this point, he's like over two, yes. right? Okay, mm -hmm. okay. So a little over two, they do that as a protectant. Yes, to protect okay. it because he had started sitting up. He was more mobile. He was not walking and he still isn't walking, yeah. but he could sit up and he was moving around. Okay. And so we knew we had to do something to protect that tissue. Mm -hmm. okay. So February 2016, we went in and they put a titanium mesh in. After Well, during surgery, he had a stroke. Oh. And okay. so came out of surgery, started having seizures, other problems. They did a CT scan and realized he had bleeding on the brain. Mm. So they had to take him back immediately to surgery to remove that titanium mesh. Okay. That's what they felt like. It just wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth it. The brain had to swell, and it couldn't swell without with that on there. <sighs> okay. Okay. So that was a really scary time. Yeah. Because they weren't sure that he was going to make it from that. Wow. Okay. He was not responding to us at all. He wasn't waking up. Um, it was very, very scary. Yeah. Okay. So then what happens after that? After a while, he woke up. Okay. He still was not Joshua. Um, he was only moving one side of his body. Um, but with time, he recovered and he did well. They ended up also having another shunt revision in okay. that hospital stay. His okay. shunt had quit working, probably from the surgeries, mm -hmm. and they had told us that might happen. Okay. So he went three times to the OR within 24 hours. Wow. Um, but after that, he recovered. It's taken him a long time. Um, where the stroke happened, happened in the occipital lobe. So what little vision Joshua had was gone. Mm. But we didn't know that. Okay. Um, we knew his vision was kind of iffy. The doctors kept telling us he probably doesn't have any, mm -hmm. but what he does, if he does, it's very little. And then when that happened, it was like he was a different child. He would yeah. just scream all the time. We didn't know what was going on. And our neurologist said, I really think it's because he had a little bit of vision and now it's gone. Mm. And he doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was hard. Yeah, that is really hard. And that we're now at like two, almost two and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so tell me kind of about, so that's obviously a really hard journey right through there. Okay. I had a hard time accepting that. Yeah. I knew when he was born, his optical nerves were not fully developed. You know, they, and the occipital lobe being outside the brain, we knew he didn't have much, but I clung to, mm -hmm. I did think he could see a little bit. Yeah. And then after that, realizing, I mean, you could get right in front of him, you could shine lights or, you know, we went to the eye doctor and they're like, he has no vision. Yeah. So that was hard just accepting that mm -hmm. and learning new ways 
for him. Mm-hmm. And it's still a struggle today. That is yeah. one of the biggest issues is when you can't see, yeah. things scare you easily. Yeah. Okay. And so figuring out how to even connect with him and yeah. make him see and feel the things and um, with the other issues that are going on mm-hmm. as well. Um, so as you kind of are going through, I mean, now we're at the like two and a half, um, kind of lead me through the last, because now he's nine, kind of mm-hmm. lead me through the last, you know, years, the ups and downs and all of that. We definitely had lots of ups and downs. Um, we've been in and out of the hospital multiple times. I feel like we see so many different specialists. He has a neurogenic bladder, so we're having to give him medicine for that, Um just our shunt. Thankfully, we've not had to have a shunt revision in a few years, but mm-hmm. it seemed like that was a big issue. Mm-hmm. We were always having to have a shunt revision. Mm-hmm. Um, shunts, G-tubes, appointments, just feeling like we couldn't even keep our head above water. Mm-hmm. And then after he lost his vision, he didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. He would just stay up and scream and cry all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and seizures started then after the stroke as well. The seizures got worse. Mm-hmm. So we were dealing with all these new things and the stress of learning Joshua's new normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While still having three daughters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I know that's a lot. So has he kind of like, how is some of that today? The screaming, the, you know, the, the kind of those struggles that y'all have gone through, the sleep, it's better. Um, he is so much better than he used to be. Used to, we couldn't take him really anywhere mm-hmm. because noises would bother him so much. Um, and they still do bother him, but not like they used to. Okay. So just tell me kind of how Josh was doing today. I know y'all have had a lot of ups and downs, obviously, hospital stays. Um, but kind of, you know, how is he today? He's doing well overall. We still struggle. Mm-hmm. He still does not sleep well. Okay. Um, that's a big thing big problem for Joshua. But as far as him tolerating noises and sensory things, he is doing so much better. Um, Used to, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do things. Mm -hmm. I had to stay home from church with him. You know, being able to go out to a restaurant, we didn't even attempt it because he would just scream and hit his head and Mm -hmm. just be so overstimulated. Mm -hmm. And now today, we still have some of that, but those days are, are few. Yeah. Kind of good days, bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the things, like the 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 sleeping, do they think part of that has to do with the not being able to see or the sensory or the stroke or just all of the all above? All of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just not a lot of, just it's kind of hit or miss. There's yeah. not a lot of what to do with that. Have you reached out at all to any other families that have similar journeys? I haven't because I don't know any other families. Really? So His is so rare. Okay. I didn't know if there was mm-hmm. ever even a like, you know, knew of something out there similar. But I have reached out to other families just with special needs kids, and mm-hmm. that's been really helpful. Okay. Having a community of moms that know what you're going through. Yeah. And just being able to encourage one another. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
What would you say to families, as you kind of say that, what would you say to families going through something similar? I mean, we always talk about no story is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's story is different. Everybody's journey is different. Um, I've never, ever tried to say I understand what anyone's going through because everybody's story is different. But what what would you say to families? I mean, if there were resources or advice or a way to encourage or something you wish you had known, what would you kind of say to that? I would say just know there's hope Mm -hmm. because I know when you're going through those times, you feel isolated. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're never going to get through this. Um, And one of the things, I'm a stubborn person. Mm -hmm. And so letting people love on you is important. You know, not thinking we can do it on our own. Mm -hmm. Let people love on you. Um, Just knowing that there's hope and that the Lord's going to strengthen you. We just have to turn to Him and ask for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And letting people in. Yes, let people in. Mm -hmm. And that's something I still struggle with today Mm -hmm. because we don't, we feel like, or I feel like for us, we're a burden. Mm -hmm. It's like our family is a burden. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're not. I mean, I know you personally, Mm -hmm. and I've gotten to know you in the last nine years, seeing the type of mother you are and uh, type of father Justin is. And and you are in in very difficult circumstances. You're one of the most positive, encouraging, joyful women I have ever met. Um, And it really is amazing. I mean, I think Joshua is doing so well because the Lord and you and Justin and your family. I mean, there is what he was up against and your family was up against and for how well he's doing. I will also say my husband, David, is one of Joshua's doctors. And he has even, I have, he totally stands by HIPAA. I have no idea why he sees why he sees Joshua medically or anything medically. But I have heard David say, you know, uh, Rebecca Bird said to tell you hello. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw her in the clinic or office today. And he's even said she is a remarkable mother. She is an amazing mother. She comes up with ideas. She comes in saying, I've done this, this, and this. What about this? He said she is phenomenal. And they all say it. His entire clinic talks about what a remarkable mother you are. And so that's from, you know, a clinic that sees a lot of remarkable people. Unfortunately, some not so remarkable as well. But um, that's them also saying, you are phenomenal. And what you guys have been up against, any of us, not just mothers, obviously fathers as well, but any of us that have ever dealt with lack of sleep, it can make you insane. Yes. I mean, it can literally make you crazy when you're perpetually exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all have been doing that for over nine years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the joy that you, that comes off of you, um, pushing Joshua and seeing him, it it really is amazing. I mean, Thank and you. so just know that, that those of us that are are, you know, we're not in, obviously, the day-to-day of your life and what that looks like. And we know real life is real. And, yes. you know, we can—but I have seen you on hard days. David has seen you on mm-hmm. hard days. And, you know, we both stand by. Y'all are remarkable. Thank and you. And what y'all have overcome in your life and in your journey, not just Joshua, but in general, is really—it's uh, an inspiration. So— Hang on to that, even on those days that are really, really hard. 
Um, how as a whole, um, you know, I, I want to say, too, I will never forget meeting Justin mm-hmm. um, and the family and knowing what even was ahead for y'all. And then, like I said, watching and seeing um what was the Four Spence Fund, kind of the impact that the Four Spence Fund had on your family? It's had a huge impact. Um, you, in general, just seeing your smiling face and knowing that you're there. Um, I remember meeting you, I think it was Christmas Eve mm-hmm. or after Christmas. I can't remember for sure, but around that time. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed in touch. And y'all were huge for us when we were there those almost three months. Mm-hmm. Um, just coming in and checking on us and having somebody smile and say, you're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. But also being able to, y'all gave us gas cards mm-hmm. so we could get the girls back and forth to Memphis and meal vouchers. That was huge because mm-hmm. when you're three meals in the hospital for two people yeah. a day, that was you know unreal. And then I remember when it came time to go home, you were like, what are you going to do? You've got, you know, your homeschool and your girls. How do you take care of Joshua? And you got us a baby ergo, baby mm-hmm, carrier, mm-hmm. so that I could carry Joshua around yeah. and have my hands free. And so, and then the meals mm-hmm. that y'all do every month and the other special things that y'all do um, is just a blessing, mm-hmm. such a blessing to the families and a huge blessing to us. Yeah. Well, it's been a joy. I really mean it. I mean, personally and, and you know, just to, to it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is just that, that you can, showing people that you can overcome hard things and not sugarcoating that it's hard. Mm-hmm. And there are days that you think, I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. This is so hard. And, um, but y'all have continued to put one foot in front of the other. You've had days where you've been like two steps forward, three steps back, um, but you've continued to do it. And, um, for that, you know, you're, and I just think about even your girls, the the inspiration you are to your girls of them looking at their mom and saying, man, she's been through so much and she's overcome it. And, you know, what an inspiration that is to them as well. And just the the way that their hearts are going to be softened um, and larger because of having Joshua in their life. And, um, you know, it always kind of excites me to think about the hope and future for siblings mm-hmm. of how is that going to mold them into the people that they are? Is yes. it going to mold them in their jobs? Is it going to mold them in what they do in the future, who they marry, what they do um, based upon what their life was like, you know? And um, there was a reason and a purpose for Joshua being placed in your family, Joshua being with your girls um, and, you know, what the the hope and future for them as well. Yeah. Well, we are proud of you. Um, Is there anything that you want to leave us with before we go? Anything that we didn't touch on? Um, You know, anything that you want to touch on before we go? I just want to say for y'all, the Forrest Spence Fund, just having even your people there when you walk in the hospital, like when we were there back in January, Mm -hmm. come in and y'all having Chick-fil-A breakfast, Mm -hmm. people standing there smiling at you. Mm -hmm. We were at the zoo after Joshua was hooked up to the EEG, strolling around, you know, he's got his head all wrapped. And um, this lady came up to me and she was like, hey, she was like, have y'all, are y'all with LeBonner? And I was like, yes. And she actually was part of the Forrest Spence Fund. Uh -uh. And she was precious and just wanted to make sure we knew about the for Spence Fund and what was available. And so just for these families, don't be afraid to accept mm-hmm. the love and help from these places. Mm-hmm. And also know that when you're going through it, 
you will get through it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard. And the way I look at it is it's okay to grieve. Mm -hmm. I grieve every single year for Mm -hmm. Joshua, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically in the summer. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, like when people are posting their back to school pictures, Mm -hmm. um, I grieve what I thought I would have. Yeah. And so just for these families to know it's okay to grieve. Yeah. But pick yourself up. Yeah. Don't stay there. Yeah. Yeah. And know that, you know, these really, really hard times, it's a season. Yeah. And they will come to an end and the yeah. Lord will give you the strength. We just have to turn and ask him for it. Yeah. And I love that you say that, that that even though, I mean, overall, Joshua is with you yeah. when no one thought he would mm-hmm. and that he's, you know, made it over nine years, that it is okay to grieve. It's yes. to, it's okay to grieve what what you feel is lost yes. and what quote unquote the world say says is the normal or yeah. the where he should be or what he's doing. We know that that was not the purpose for Joshua's life is to quote unquote be that you know second third fourth grader whatever yeah. I'm terrible at yeah. numbers second or third grade boy that you know he would be if he was a typical nine year old that that wasn't the purpose but that it's okay to still grieve that yes. and to grieve that your family looks different mm-hmm. than you imagined it would be and I think many many people even if they don't have a special needs child they can understand that you yeah. know whether it's their marriage isn't mm-hmm. what they thought it would be or their relationship with their in-laws or the relationship with their own parents or or their children aren't yes. on the path they thought or yes. um or like us you know um don't have forced here with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talk about that too. I grieve in the times that I grieve. I like you. I grieve when I see school pictures. Mm-hmm. I grieve on um Milestones hit me when yeah. when all of his age went to kindergarten. Um, I grieved when I knew he should have graduated sixth grade. Um, he would have turned fifteen this last year, and I really grieved that I wasn't at the DMV with him and him holding up his his permit. You know, and um, I will grieve like that for the rest of my life. Um, and it doesn't take away that I. I'm so thankful and grateful for my other three, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful and grateful for my husband, and I'm so thankful and grateful for the life that I've been given, or even this fund and ministry that I'm able to do because of Forest Life. I still grieve mm-hmm. that deep loss, yes. um, and um, I just appreciate you saying that because I think people need to hear that mm-hmm. because it's it's real and true, and and I can say you are a testimony of someone who is joyful. And, you know, you've not let that bitterness of what could be for you of this is not fair. This is not the life I signed up for. It does not in any way show on your face or your life. You are very joy-filled um, and, and a remarkable person. So thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, it has been a joy and an honor to know y'all. And um, we're so glad people could hear your story. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, We want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.